welcome to the Intelligent Growth Podcast, the ultimate guide for go-to market leaders who aspire to engage and influence their target relationships to market more impactfully, sell more profitably, and create customer evangelists. We're going to help you strategically navigate the customer lifecycle journey from awareness through purchase and all the way to material value creation for your clients. Your hosts have worked with hyper-growth, mid-market, and global enterprises and understand the unique challenges and opportunities CMOs, CROs, and CCOs face when they embark on marketing sales and customer success motions. Get ready to unlock the potential of your unique go-to market strategy, transform your perspective into powerful campaigns, and position yourself as the world-class revenue growth benchmark. This is the Intelligent Growth Podcast with your hosts, Jen Cords and David Knorr. Hi, everybody. David Knorr uh, with my business partner, Jen Cords. want to welcome you to another episode of our Intelligent Growth Live. Hello, Jen. Hi, Noor. How are you? I'm great, thanks. I, I got to tell the audience, I want to start with uh, something I heard years ago, which is if you never clean out your closet, right, with the clothes that we're, we haven't worn since the 1970s, right, when, when hair was out to here and you would move your head and your hair would come like three seconds later and our <laughs> collars were out and, right, you're never going to, if you don't clean those things out that you're not wearing, you're never going to have opportunities to buy and add new things. And I can't imagine a better topic uh, at this time of the year as we kind of wrap up and people's heads are in the holidays than this idea of of cleaning house. So we're going to do two series. This one is focused on your business relationships. Uh, I'm going to kind of lead that discussion. And Jen's going to lead the next one on your really digital footprint, your tech stack, your rev ops, all this tech bloat. That we kind of, and by the way, we're, we're, we're trying to eat our own cooking in cleaning up and streamlining and optimizing kind of what we do and how we do it. And so the next couple of sessions, and we're live on Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitter, the goal is give you some practical, pragmatic takeaways to kind of think about in this session about your business relationships, in the next one about your tech stack. So that's the intent of these next two as we kind of get into the wrapping up the, the year and this first season of intelligent growth. So Jen, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thanks, Noor. Uh, so this year in a lot of our episodes, we have talked about relationships or at least touched on them. But as we are coming into end of year and that house cleaning sort of mindset, you briefly touched on it in your opening, but why does it matter? Why, why, why even take the time to clean house? Sure. Oh, sure. So let me let me let me leave it. Uh, let me start this way with the audience. I learned years ago in engineering school that you cannot improve something you don't measure. Let me say it again. You cannot improve something you don't measure. And and I've always believed that relationships should be more intentional, more quantifiable, more strategic in kind of what we do and how we do it. And there's a ton of research that shows an average individual, right, can proactively manage about 100 to 150 relationships. Look it up. It's called Dunbar's number. And if that's the bandwidth that we all have, and you believe the premise that relationships are an investment, you cannot invest in everybody equally. So then... How will you organize? How will you prioritize? How will you choose who to invest in? And this idea of cleaning house, this idea of, you know, I've talked about this several times, organizing, prioritizing, and focusing on your most valuable asset, on beyond your education, beyond your company's products and services, your single biggest asset. I believe is incredibly important to your success, to your personal professional growth, to better understanding where you're going, how you're going to get there, and the relationships that are going to be critical to that success. So 
I assume you mean that we're going to do more than Marie Kondoing of our relationships. <laughs> and I know you're a list maker and a list lover. And so I hear you have 10 recommendations for our audience to think about and the way they should approach this important exercise of cleaning up their relationships. So can we review them and where do people start? I, I'm happy to review them. And, and what I'd love to do is, is let's take them one at a time. I'll share with the audience. And again, as a reminder, uh, uh, if you go to forum.avnir.com, that, that's our private online community. Another way to do that is uh, either if you go to norgroup.com or avnir.com under resources and look for our community. We'll, we'll put this list there as well as I'll elaborate on each of these topics uh, there. So, so uh, we're sharing uh, in the, uh, here you go. If you go to forum.avnir.com, uh, we'll, we'll post uh, the details of this list there. But Jen, I thought I'd cover one at a time. And then I'd love your your take or your thoughts on this as well. So number one, and I know you're a big fan of this as well. I'm a huge believer that numbers don't lie. And, and if you understand your numbers, if regardless of where you are in the position, if I'm a frontline sales contributor or if I'm a, a leader, I, your, your PNL really analyzing. So number one, analyze your performance metrics, recalibrate whatever success means to you in the context of your business relationships. So what does that mean? I, I look at, and again, uh, using our, our company as an example, Top customers, right? One of one of our success metrics is revenue per customer in a in a calendar year, and in particular, am I am I growing that? Am I growing that mind share? Are we growing that mind share and wallet share and value and impact? Are we deepening that relationship? So, if you pull, if you generate certain several reports, you know, revenue by customers one for us. Um, PNL, you know, year over year is another one. Um, net new versus retained. So my back of the napkin goal is always about 60% or so repeat uh, business and then 40% net new. I don't know of a business that doesn't need net new growth. So analyzing those, those metrics is number one. Listen to what I said recalibrate your definition of success. You, you and I both ride motorcycles, you more so, but we also are involved in fly fishing. You, you want time away from work. I, I have, you know, we both have kids. I, mine are, you know, one is about to graduate from college. The other one's the second year in college. And so anytime they come home, it kind of lights you up and you want to spend some quality time with them, right? Whether it's significant others or our dogs or whatever it is, Success cannot just be what I do for a living. So analyze your performance metrics, redefine success. What does that mean for you? I want to go ride my motorcycle in the Himalayas this next year. That means I am, I am out of touch for at least a week to 10 days, right? The business still has to run for that period of time. No pressure, right? But, but that's, that's one of my definitions of success, the ability to disengage and it gives me a chance when, when I put the earplugs in and the helmet on to think. So that's one of my success criteria. In the context of the relationship and specifically ideal relationship profile, what relationships contributed to that success? What relationships contributed to those performance metrics? That is unequivocally step one. So your thoughts on performance metrics, your definition of success, and this idea of an ideal relationship profile. Well, I would definitely say that for your relationships, if you haven't set performance metrics, maybe that should be what you do for this end of year, figure out what your numbers should be and how you should track them because there is data there. So if you haven't intentionally been tracking it, maybe look at your data and find your trends and then clearly define what those metrics are. Uh, the second thing I would say is 
these metrics shouldn't be you look at them once a year. We've talked about how any metric or any operations type system is never a set it and forget it. Your relationships are also not a set it and forget it. So you need to check in with them regularly. And this time of year is you create that baseline and reset expectations and just uh, recalibrate, as you said. And so then make a plan to look in at, at your numbers and again, recalibrate maybe every quarter if you haven't done it before. If you have done it before, you should be very in tune with your numbers. So that's what I would recommend from a, a metric sort of perspective. Love that. And, and we'll talk much more about both of those shortly. So if that's number one, and, and again, we're sharing on the screen as well. Number two is gather sentiment from a broad spectrum of your relationships. Now for this, I, I do this exercise when I speak to audiences if you draw a horizontal line on the left-hand side, put a negative one. In the center, put neutral. On the right-hand side, put a positive one. So very simple exercise. Horizontal line, left-hand side, minus one. Center, zero or neutral. Right-hand side, far right-hand side, a positive one. And I want you to think of your relationships in that spectrum. So... What are the attributes of your negative one relationships? Uh, again, these without naming names, they're never happy. They always wake up on the wrong side of the bed every day, right? You can do no right in their eyes, regardless of how much you bend over backwards to make them happy, right? They're just attributes that are just negative one customers. Neutral is you're okay, they're okay. It's meh, right? It's, it's okay, it's a very technical term. Meh, right? Positive one, positive one relationships, you love them. They love you. You're adding a ton of value. They see huge value in how you show up and what you bring to the table. They they want to engage you. They recommend you. They bring you in. You're seen as that, as that council sounding board, right? All of it makes them a phenomenal relationship on the right-hand side. Here's the key. If you don't know how they feel about you, the perceived value you bring, what you're doing well, where you could improve, all of that I bucket in sentiment. If you don't know what those sentiments are from across that spectrum, you might as well put a blindfold on and, and throw darts because you, you have no idea. And by the way, your perception could be way off. This is a quick story. Years ago, the Walt Disney World Company was one of my clients. And I typically work in the business kind of unit environment. But you know what? You have to work with procurement because they cut purchase orders and they're the ones that actually transactionally buy your stuff. And I had a really good relationship with a business unit, Disney Animation to be exact, client. And yet the person they always sent me to with their approved internal paperwork to go get a purchase order from, I was convinced this guy hated my guts, right? I just thought, you know, we couldn't be more oil and water. Like, and I'm, and I'm perplexed. Like, what have I ever done to this guy that is just cold and indifferent and, you, you, you know, poker player and just would never crack his smile? I'm like, is, is this thing on? Like, is this thing on? I, am, I, am I the only one that, that just this guy, this guy hates me? I think I, uh, and I've always believed, like, kill people with kindness. I think I uh, sent him a holiday card, and then I dropped off. I, I found out that he likes cigars. And I dropped off. You couldn't go to where his desk was. I dropped off a box of really nice cigars at the front desk of the, of the procurement department. I think I fell out of my chair. I, I literally fell out of my chair when he calls and with, a, with a still the same poker face, right? Um, I just want to thank you for the cigars you dropped off. I uh, want you to know it, it fit the criteria because it was below you know, $25. <laughs> and that is our corporate policy for any kind of gifts. And above that, I would have had to return it to you because we can't accept any gifts. <laughs> and just want to say thank you for your partnership this past year. I'm like, are, are, like, is this? I'm not. I'm like, literally having an out of body. So my perception was this guy hates me, and it's not just. It's not true. He he had to be that 
emotionally unavailable, <laughs> indifferent because of his role, because of his perceived date. We're just here to do a transaction. So when I say gather sentiment from a broad spectrum, don't go on your often misperceptions. Go ask. Go ask these relationships. What, what did we do well this year? What did I do well this year? Where did I fall short? Um, give me one thing to improve in our relationship next year. Uh, you know, referrals and recommendations are a big part of my world. H how can I help or, or others that you believe are having same problem that I've solved for you? Make it yours, but go gather sentiment from a very broad spectrum of relationships on that continuum. Your thoughts on that? Well, just to your last point, I was going to suggest that people, uh, you've recommended it to others for when they're wanting to figure out what they're really good at, uh, going on a listening tour. So take those customers and people you've engaged with throughout the year. And to your point, go ask them some of these questions and get some of that really critical feedback from them on what worked well, what didn't work well, things that you could improve. Again, own it and make it your own. Um, and all feedback, I'll say all feedback is good feedback because it is, but you also then have to weight it. Like how long ago did I work with this person? Like, are they disgruntled about something else, et cetera, but still take that feedback and then find the trends within that feedback to figure out what that general sentiment is for your customers. Yeah. That, that, um, listening tour again, I I've coached it to others. Phenomenal phenomenal opportunity to really uh, get and keep your finger on the pulse of this sentiment that, that I'm talking about. All right. So for uh, our audience, if you join us late, you're listening to hopefully 10 uh, recommendations uh, on how to conduct a business relationship house cleaning as we approach end of the year. So jumping in uh, with number three, I'm going to put number three up. And we're live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter. So here's number three. A deep dive on your communication, your relationships, kind of communication preference and touch cadence. Now, let me explain what that means. We all have a communication preference. Increasingly, it, which which I, some people don't want phone calls. If if you call me and I have I don't have your number in my, you know, and most of us are now using these things and but even if my office, if I don't have your number stored, it's going to show as a number I don't know. I'm busy. I'm not picking that up. So figure out your relationship's communication preference. Is it a call? Is it an email? Is it a text? Is it a text, then a call? Is it a call and a follow-up voicemail? Right? Figure out their preference. The other one is their cadence. Sociologists tell us when we meet somebody else, we give a little, they take, they judge, they give a little. We take, we judge, we give a little. There's this natural exchange. Too much, too fast, and you're like, whoa, 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 dude, we just met. Back it up. Not enough, and you're going to be perceived as cold or distant or indifferent. So at IBM 30 years ago, I went through some training, and they taught us mirroring, which is mirror kind of their preferences, mirror their posture, mirror their in this case, touch cadence. So ask. I, I, one of my favorite uh, asks, uh, what's the best way to stay in touch with you without outwearing my welcome? What's the best way to stay in touch with you without being annoying? What's the best way to stay in touch with you? You know, How often should we touch base? Because I'd love to hear about your progress or your you know, latest adventures. So make it yours, but figure out their preference and their cadence. Jen? I would then follow through with that and set your systems up to create a note for yourself. Like if you have a Salesforce system uh, or a personal CRM or even just on their contact card in your phone, just make a little note of prefers texting than phone call. Uh, don't touch base more than two weeks, every two weeks, like just those little things to remind yourself. But then if you do have like a, a more, broad CRM or a management, a relationship management tracking system, HubSpot, Salesforce, whatever you're using, you have the ability to manage the communication cadences there as well. And so I would recommend uh, just following 
it all the way through from asking to then set your systems up to then mirror that. So you're not inadvertently uh, bombarding them with something that they're not looking for. Uh, great, great tip. Great suggestion, which then leads us nicely into the next one, which is kind of update, update your system, right? So whatever, whatever tool, whatever system you use today, uh, you know, Jen's big on what's the single source of the truth? What system will you, you know, this was a recent conversation. What system will you work within where you're going to keep that information? So whatever your CRM system is, this is year end. As you wrap, let's be honest, people's heads are going to be in the holidays, right? Family and friends and holiday parties and Santa and all those and, 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 you know, whatever faith you, you practice kind of those traditions is what wraps us this time of the year. So yeah, I want to take time off. I want to spend quality time with the family, but the same token, I can have my laptop on the couch. You know, family's watching Grinch for the eighth time this season. And you know what? I'm updating my CRM system. I'm up. And again, we're doing this as we speak. Update your email list. Update con people's contacts info. Did you know that most of your relationships will update their social networks, right? People will post on LinkedIn that I've got a new job or, you know, on Facebook, I've got a new grandchild. Whatever those attributes are, they're much more likely to update their social networks than they are their they're actually their relationships, their real networks. So go look them up. Go see what they're up to. Go, you know, this is a chance to clean up your 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 CRM, clean up your systems. By the way, uh, many of you know in Avnir, we're building a, a relationship management platform because we believe, and, and a big premise of, uh, and a hypothesis for us is, CRM has forgotten the R. Salesforce is not a relationship management tool. Salesforce is a pipeline and forecasting tool. And few sellers, there's a reason adoption is so bad, you know, poor, because I don't want to put those details in the CRM system. I'm going to put the least amount of information that then I'm going to get beat up on. Or I don't want marketing, you know, sending something to a personal email address. So I don't want customer success calling them at home for something. So I'm not putting that data in that CRM, which is where we believe the Avnir platform can be a co-pilot to those environments. I don't want to replace Microsoft or Salesforce or Oracle CRM. We want to supplement it. And we'll talk more about that shortly. But this is a really good chance to update your CRM. Jen, I know you've got some great insights on that front. Yes. Tackling a CRM and trying to update all of it, especially if you're an entrepreneur or a, like a, one, a team of one, trying to update everything is probably going to be daunting. So I would just set aside a time to do like 15 a day. And just every day you're slowly chipping away at updating your CRM. And this really should be something that you continue throughout the year, because to your point, People do move jobs and they update their LinkedIn's and they're going to do that much more frequently. And the enrichment tools, ZoomInfo, Cognizant, OpenPrize, whatever you're using, they also are going to be delayed. Actually looking at somebody's LinkedIn and staying up to date with it is going to be the best way to get the most up-to-date, accurate information. So if you do this on a regular basis, your CRM will stay relatively clean. The other thing would be trying to eliminate as much unnecessary data as as that's in your CRM. So if you don't need to have 20 fields on your view, hide them all. Like make it as easy for you to consume their their information and track that engagement and track that relationship uh, as possible. Don't create a ton of required fields, don't have a bunch that are just empty. Uh, just really streamline and focus what you're doing and what you're tracking and make manageable chunks of it to update. Don't try and boil the ocean. Great, great points. And again, that's that's one that uh, that is a never ending, right? So just like when you ask, you know, whose job is quality or whose job is, you know, client experiences, everybody's. So data cleanse, data appending, data updates, data, that's everybody's job, including those are your relationships, right? So what I do is I go through my notes. I have individual notes for my relationships. And at the year, I go through my notes and just 
capture those nuggets, capture the updated information you you captured in your notes about that person. If it's not in that CRM system, this would be a really good time to do that. So moving on uh, again for our audience, I'm reviewing 10 recommendations on how to do year and business relationship house cleaning. So, so we're on number, here's number five, review your key relationships specifically for their health for the value, for the depth and relevancy, for I'm looking for which ones underperform, right? January, um, he, he, he will go unnamed, right? It's a he, of course. He will go unnamed, but let's just call him John. Had unbelievable potential in January. Going into January, I thought 2023 was going to be a fantastic year between us together, right? Partner, Great asset. I'd added value. He'd gotten value. He added value. It was a you know man crush or a love fest if there ever is one. And zero. Zero value add. Zero engagement. Zero real value. So, I, I, again, I, I completely underperformed. So the fact that he underperformed isn't it. It's really figuring out why, what happened. And and for in, in John's defense, he got overwhelmed. He he had some changes in his team and their their industry was doing well. So he got busy and he's always been bandwidth challenged, but apparently this past year it went over the top. So I figured the only way I could figure that out was a, a conversation, B, actually a lunch visit. Listen. Can I buy you lunch? Can we visit over lunch? I'm going to be in Chicago. I'm going to be in Dallas. I'm going to be in right Seattle. Can I buy you lunch and just get reconnected? Get caught up. This year hasn't been the best year for us and our relationship. Can we figure out why and what we can do moving forward? I think if you come with that level of candor, I think a lot of people are very receptive to it. Similarly, who were the outperformers? Who really went above and beyond? Oh, my God, Bill. Bill is awesome. Bill not, not only worked with me, but introduced me to this function, that department, that group. This is what I learned from. This is how Bill showed up in a huge way. And we haven't talked in years. And so same, same, same kind of tighten the aperture. Figure out why did Bill step up this year, not just the fact that he stepped up. So, Jen, comments on reviewing key relationships, health, value, relevance, that the underperformers versus over, you know, outperformers. Well, I would try and look at it sort of from a third party perspective. Like everybody has egos and there's always emotions involved with relationships, but also looking at it sort of uh, as if you were evaluating a business deal or something like that, just sort of agnostic, like not involved, there's no horse in the race and try and keep that perspective and create some separation between maybe the emotions. Uh, it'll help you gain deeper insight into maybe what went wrong or how to approach it or how to, how to resolve uh, a relationship that maybe went off the rails. The other one, I liked your point about just having empathy and approaching it from, hey, we started off really well what happened halfway through the year? Like, is there something I can help with? And always going like, how can I help you? Like everybody likes to offer help, but also if you're, you truly mean it, um, people accept help and going with that question of how can I help you do what you do better? Uh, more often than not, people will be receptive to that. So yeah. using that as a way to gain insight into put, putting your relationships back together might be helpful. Yeah, so Bill Hogan is the chief revenue officer at Beyond Identity, a, a longtime friend and a client, and love his lens every time. Assume good intent. Assume good intent. Assume good people, good intentions. And for whatever reason, Jen mentioned, if you amplify your empathy, there's a reason why relationships don't take off or they don't materialize. Or, right, um, I, I recently wrote a blog post. Um, checkbooks and calendars. Give me somebody's calendar and checkbook, and I'll tell you about their, you know, prioritized relationships. Because think about it: we'll make time for, 
and we'll invest in relationships that are important to us, that are a priority to us. So if that relationship underperformed, and by the way, this is as viable inside the organization as it is external to it, go figure out why. Go ask why. Go understand why. Why things happen are often as critical, if not more so, than just what happened. Okay, this person ignored you. Or you did a lot of business with them in 22, but nothing in 23. Why is that? What happened? You know what? You rubbed the wrong person. Or you unintentionally said something. This is also, Jen brought up something. This is not the time to be defensive. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, no, that didn't happen. Um, yeah, it did. You just didn't see it. Or you had blinders on. Or you didn't hear yourself or see how you showed up or whatever the case may be. So put the ego aside, go figure out, go really ask the health, the value, the relevance. If they change jobs, they may no longer be relevant. If you don't build depth, you can't ask for things that deeper relationships can. And if you don't understand why they're under or overperforming, like some people are just Happy go lucky. Just, yep, they bought a lot from me. Why? Because I can tell you the power sports industry. I, I've, I've been a big fan. I've spoken for the motorcycle industry council. The power sports industry equated pandemic growth with forever growth. During the pandemic, we didn't have a lot of options. A lot of people spend discretionary money on power sports. Somehow, the dealer network in particular patted themselves on the back. Have you seen what a great job we're doing? We're doing a fabulous job. Have you seen what a great job we're doing? And by the way, they screwed almost everybody that came into their dealerships, every dollar for every bike. And then people got other options and had products, you know, units sit around. And I remember how you treated me last time. So no thank you. And right? So... If a whole industry struggles because they're not asking, they're not understanding not just what's happening, but why, and adjusting their approach to it, you're going to continue to struggle. So moving on, number six, set new, not just, and Jen mentioned, update those performance kind of metrics and goals, but also relationship goals for the new year. So it's very easy for all of us. It's very, you know, we we set um we, you know, then you remember the New Year's resolution and they're all but forgotten by the second week in January. I'm going to lose 175 pounds this year. Re really? Like where? I'm going to read 2000 books. Oh, okay, great. A little bit of real, you know, realism and, and those performance metrics that we kind of beyond what maybe shoved down our throats that we set for ourselves. Are they realistic? There should be a reach, right? Is it attainable? Can I can I get there given the macroeconomic and geopolitical things that, you know, challenges that I have no control over? But with those metrics, every one of the goals of what I'm trying to accomplish, you better believe there should be a set of relationships next to it of who do we need to really accelerate our ability to get there. That's what I mean by set new both performance. I want to generate 10 million in revenue. Okay, great. How? 60% of it is going to come from existing accounts, 40% from net new. Within existing accounts, here are the relationships that I really need to nurture and sustain and focus on and double down on and get to know. And guess what? Get on a plane or get in your car and go see them in person because the Hollywood squares can only do so much. So doubling down on the relationships that are critical. Net new. I'm not going after everybody and their cousins. I'm going after a very targeted group of relationships inside as well as external to the organization. Partnerships. If I hear let's partner one more time, I'm going to gag. You know why? Everybody throws out there. Everybody talks about it. Few people are willing to show up and do partnerships really, really well. Commit to them. Commit time, effort, resources to them. And I'd rather... I've written about this. I'd rather you focus on fewer, but build deeper, more meaningful relationships. So those performance metrics and the relationship goals, you want to do that now in advance of the new year. So I go into the new year knowing exactly what I'm going to do, exactly where I'm going to focus on. And you know what? It's a hypothesis. Again, some relationships will go bust and others will go amazing. 
So the agility to navigate that will be critical, but go into the new year with a plan. Jen? I would definitely agree. Go into the new year with a plan and understand the interdependencies of what you're committing to. And so if you are going to be reading, adding reading to something that you do on a regular basis, what are you giving up to make time for that? Because I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't found the 25th hour in the day. So you can't invent more time. And so you need to make sure that the metrics and the goals that you have for the new year and your relationships will fit into the time that you have and prioritize and organize them in a way that you can actually be successful. And going back and really thinking about what does success mean to you? Is it, is it just the economic model? Is it just financial that I just want to make a boatload of money and forget everything else? Or is there a balance? Again, we call it work-life blending. Is there a, a more blended approach to my success is just as much measured by what a data, you know, what kind of a dad I am and how I show up for my kids as it is being on some stage talking to an audience as it is writing the next book, as it is launching our, our tech platform. So recalibrate your definition of success. And what are you willing to sacrifice for that success? And then the relationships you need to kind of to kind of get there, right? So moving on to number seven, prioritize learning moments. Again, prioritize learning moments and opportunities for improvements. I have yet to meet, and I've been at this for a while, including myself, right? Here we go. Self-deprecating humor. The perfect relationship builder. I'm not sure that person exists. We're all broken. We're all flawed in many ways. We're all, I think, doing the best that we can every single day. So, you know, there's, there's relationships. I've screwed up this past year. All I can do is apologize. All I can go to and say, listen, I, I, I apologize. I, I or we came up short. We we overcommitted and underdelivered. We didn't go, you know, we didn't run through the tape and finish strong. All I can do is apologize and hope you'll forgive me, right? And And maybe give us another chance to kind of prove ourselves. And that may never happen. But if you don't recognize opportunities to improve, you're never going to master. You're never going to become world-class. And we all are a work in progress. We all have things we can work on. We all need to do better in how we communicate. And disconnecting, Jen brought it up, our emotions from what we say, emotions from what we do. Work in progress, right? Show me who isn't. But if you proactively focus on, you know what? That's what I did. That's how I showed up. That probably wasn't my finest hour. How do I learn from that? How do I show up more consistently better for relationships that are critical to my success? How do I get better at this? Maybe it's learning more or reading more or attending. Um, we're going through, Jen and I are going through some training. It's online training and we're getting coached and we're learning a new way of doing something. And you would think after 20, 30 years of between the two of us, you know, 30 plus years of, you know, plus doing this, would have it figured out. But you know what? It never hurts to go and dial it in better, recalibrate it, learn a new skill, learn a new approach. I'm fascinated by that next generation, our kids. I got to stop calling them our kids. But when you work with people that, or the age of your kids, I'm fascinated by how they do what they do. And those are all opportunities to improve, opportunities to really think about in specific to the way you identify, build, nurture relationships, what works, what doesn't, how do I elevate, amplify, enhance what I do that's working for me? And how do I stop it? Not helping you. It is not helping you, right? You The way you show up with people that are you know, critical to your success or they're important in your life or important in your professional success, right? It's it's not it's not helping you. Jen, comments on learning moments and improve opportunities to improve. Yeah, I would say leverage some of the points that we brought up in number two about gathering the sentiment from a broad spectrum of your relationships and really evaluate 
how you can improve upon them and recognize that that's how you were then and then take actively take steps to improve how you're doing it in the future. And again, break it down into smaller pieces. Maybe it's you need to be better prepared showing up for a meeting. Create a prep schedule or prep time on your calendar in advance of that meeting. So you're blocking out focus time to actually be more prepared to come to your meetings more collected. And so create ways to be successful. And then, I mean, in fly fishing, a lot of people think that you just, if you spend more time on the water, you're going to catch more fish, which is really not the way it is. Practicing your casting off the water and learning about bug life cycles and things like that off the water will actually make you a better angler. So it's focusing on some of those fundamentals. To your point, from a business perspective, we're learning relearning a way to do something that is core to most every business. And we've been doing this for a while. So you would think that we would have had our own system for it, but learning how somebody else does it and then making small tweaks to make it work for you may be the best way to set you up for success. So continue to be curious about how other people do what they do, ask really good questions, and then can just continue to want to improve. Don't get so stuck in this is the only way that I can get it done that you don't look for opportunities to be more efficient. The woman for the audience, the woman made me buy this stick with a piece of claw or with like a string at the end just to practice in my living room. Just kind of 10 to 2, 10 to 2, 10 to 2. Don't do the wrist thing. 10 to so joking aside, it's an example of which is our next one. You know, and, and she talked about your prep, the way you prep, the way you show up says a lot about who you are, says a lot about the importance of that relationship. So organizing and planning your relationship building activities are critical. And, and you know, you're thinking, what does that mean? What what does, you know, schedule regular check-ins. We talked about that cadence. Uh, you know, we, Jen and I have sat through a bunch of, you know, QBRs, you know, quarterly business reviews. Again, some sort of a regular events. Events are coming back in a big way. So I'm a big believer of both locally, but also when I travel, are there interesting events? And I belong to several organizations. So planning those uh, more intently. Um, collaboration projects or collaborative projects with people, different functions, different departments, partnerships. We're talking to a couple of different technology companies about integrating what the platform we're building with their environments. These are all opportunities in the new year to strengthen that relationship, to strengthen relationships that are critical to your success. So what are the relationship building activities that are most helpful, most conducive to you? I, I love part of the world I come from. It's never about a meal. It's always about engaging others at mealtime, right? So I love meals, I, even if it's a cup of coffee or or let's get together for a cup of tea, right? So I know my travel schedule well in advance and, and to reach out and say, hey, I'm going to be in that destination. Um, I was recently in London for the Thinkers 50 gathering, you know, reached out through LinkedIn, set up several visits, coffee visits. The weather wasn't that great, but you know what? Went and found, you know, used the tube and went and found these locations and met some fabulous people for breakfast and coffee and reconnected and engaged. And, you know, people I've known through online, meeting them in person for the first time. Fantastic. But you've got to organize and plan for these activities. Jen? I would piggyback on that and just take it one step further that if you are going to go to some of these networking events or these uh, industry type events, or if you do belong to a mastermind or some sort of group, know if you can do some research in advance and figure out what is the subject that's being covered in this event, but also who's going to be there and maybe pick one or two people that should be there and introduce yourself, make it a goal. I'm going to this event and I'm going to leave introducing myself to three people and know about them. So you have something interesting to talk about. Maybe they've been featured on a podcast. And so in your book, Relationship Economics, you talk about relational on-ramps. So doing that prep work for these relationship building activities allows you to be more comfortable and confident walking into that type of situation because nobody really loves networking. And it's kind of weird and awkward. You're all kind of standing around at like 
a high school dance kind of. But if you go and you have some of these nuggets in your pocket uh, about maybe the speaker who's covering something or about the person that you're wanting to introduce yourself to, it breaks that ice a little bit better. So be very intentional. So organize and plan your relationship building activities, but also be very intentional about why you're going and what you need to do to be most confident in that situation. Uh, for our audience, if you just joined us, uh, we're covering uh, business relationship year end house cleaning. And uh, I'm sharing, you know, we're sharing 10 kind of recommendations, 10 things to think about as we wrap up the year in terms of being more intentional, more strategic about the relationships you choose to invest in. So we've been running through those. Uh, we just covered eight. And, and we'll put this list. We'll give you a, a, an area where you can see the list and and hopefully you know benefit from, from uh, having that list together. So the next one is this idea of expressing gratitude. And, and I mean this sincerely, gratitude often. So I, I have a stack of thank you cards on my desk. And as I talk to people increasingly, by the way, they're not in their office. So I get their home address. And hey, would love to, what's the best address to send you something? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a, a, a secret of mine. I went to Starbucks and I, and I bought a set of just $10 gift cards. And I throw periodically, throw one in there. And I just, thanks. Just, I appreciate you taking the time or, or thanks for the conversation this afternoon. Or, you know what? I, I, uh, you know how we all do uh, holiday cards? So, so I want, I want to show audience, this is a live, this is a live case study, right? So this is, this is our family holiday card. It's got pictures of the wife and the kids and the dogs and right. I got a stack of them on my desk. And for those of you who've not seen our business cards, our business cards are a little bit bigger. And, and first time Jen saw it, she, she was like, wait, what the hell is that? I, you know, it's a great place to take notes. And, but I write a personal note and I attach it to the family holiday card. And I send it to different relations. You can't do this with, you know, everybody. And certainly people who don't know you'd be like, what the hell, right? But if you, this is an example of expressing gratitude and, and showing appreciation to clients and partners and team members and thank you notes, small gifts. It does not have to be expensive. It does have to be thoughtful. So, you know, again, the, 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 the below the corporate dollar amount box of cigars, right? Uh, just just to acknowledge their support and their love and their collaboration throughout the year. Those things go a long way in in demonstrating to people that you remembered, you cared, uh, you know, they're thought of in a, in a fondly. And, and that expression of gratitude goes a long way in, in kind of conveying that, not just saying it, but demonstrating it. Jen? I would completely echo what you said there. I, I mean, I too on my desk have things for like Team USA or our motorcycle club or things like that. And those handwritten cards, it's actually one of my most favorite things from several of the businesses, the small businesses that I choose to support. The owners or the team members who are packing those things up always put a handwritten note in and it's not never a cookie cutter. And I've also like just sending thank yous through the mail. Everybody gets bills and everything else, but this time of year, it's just, and any time of year, it's really just nice to drop something in the mail that is not willy nilly written and just not really put any thought into, but really just take the time, take five minutes, write a nice thank you card, or I saw this thing and it made me think of you and, and people like that and appreciate that. And so I would say if you don't have a budget for, small gifts or taking people out for meals or anything like that, really just writing a card, taking the time to write and express your thoughts through a card is a lot of times more than what most people will get from any of their relationships. So just yeah. that is really critical. And, and and it sets you apart from everybody else that either Jen mentioned, just haphazardly, if if they send anything at all, it's an email or, hey, thanks. Or, you know, here's the next thing I want to sell you or next thing I need. Or just gratitude. Just thank you. I'm just grateful for the time. I'm grateful for, uh, you know. Well, um, I would also add that be grateful without adding something else. Thank you. 
Could we meet next week? No, 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 no. It's just thank you for your relationship. Thank you for taking the time this past year to invest in our relationship. Um, if they're a client of yours, appreciated working with you and meeting your team. But like, don't add something else. Don't try and use it as an in to sell them something else because they're going to see right through that. And it's they're then they're going to know anytime this person is actually thanking me for something, they're going to sell me something. Yeah, and and it, it it dilutes your credibility, it dilutes your repute. So so last but not least, again, we've been going through ten recommendations. Here's a ten, and the last one, which is um, resource allocation for relationship management. Now, what does that mean? I, I've always believed if you think about relationships as yet something else I have to do, you'll never get good at it. Conversely, if you set aside, you know, one of the things we practice, we also coach is time blocking. Blocking time off for, I, I love regular breakfast meetings. I love regular lunch meetings. We, we go to industry events or conferences or making, blocking it off now, right? Here's where I'm committing to this next year. Our, our big summit, by the way, here we go, right? <laughs> our big summit, I'm going to, I'm going to share my screen. So the audience knows, uh, is our relationship economics summit. And it's a it's a phenomenal opportunity, right? To there you go. And Jen will put the the link in the in in the tab for everybody. Th this is our our annual summit, and specifically the first couple of days, October this next year, October seventh through the ninth this next year, is what we call our next up leaders. So the the second half of the week is for senior executives who kind of come join us and. It's a leadership development program. Second half is an executive symposium. We're doing this now on an annualized basis. And right, there's I love Ray. Ray Harris has already signed up. So he's already confirmed. <laughs> and you know, past attendees of just senior executives of these really interesting companies that come together. By the way, this is not a 500 or a thousand anything. This is an intimate gathering of senior executives. That come and we got friends that kind of sponsor it. But the front half of the week, again, we call it next up, next up kind of leadership. And the front half of the week is just a fantastic opportunity to uh, share ideas, share perspectives, share uh, growth opportunities. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What's working? And when it's non competing companies from a broad spectrum of industries, it really allows you to get out of the business, get out of your grind to then really think about how I'm going to grow, how I'm going to develop my relationships, my business, my approach, my, you know, team, my, you know, how do I build more resilience into our organization? And it's a chance to get out of the day-to-day -day obligations so you can work on your aspirations. And that's where that opportunity really comes in, in allocating the resources. And it's not just money, it's time, it's effort. Right. Um, Jen and I went to an event where, uh, you know, the event starts at, you know, six program starts at seven, you know, goes to eight. And literally some people walk in at like 15 after seven. Right? It was like, what, what chance did you have to talk to anybody? Hey, you didn't show up on the front end for the networking part. And then they left right after. And I get obligations. And this is not a judgment thing. But you didn't allocate enough time for that event to get there early enough to talk to people and engage them. And right, it's not about the food or the drink. It's about chance to engage and say hello and connect and meet some new people. And then afterwards, if you can, staying afterwards and asking, hey, what did you think of the program? And that's where these events are coming back. And that's a great opportunity to reconnect, re-engage folks. So again, uh, 10 recommendations for year-end business relationship house cleaning. Uh, we will post it in uh, our forum, our community. Jen shared that earlier. I'm going to put it back up again. It's just forum.avnir.com. You go there. We'll put that list. We'll put comments. I'll elaborate on them. Uh, would love to have you jump in with other year-end business relationship house cleaning that you've thought of, uh, but hope uh, that's useful to you. Hope that uh, that's a value. Well, and I think that's a great list. And so one of the things you mentioned as we were going through that list is the generative AI platform that we're building. And it's really exciting what we're doing and, and the problems that we're uh, 
thinking about solving with this platform. And it addresses a lot of the needs of maintaining your relationships and actually looking at them as relationships, not lines on a spreadsheet or anything else. Uh, so are there any details that you'd like to share with our audience about uh, our new platform that's coming? Yeah. In so, so again, I'll, I'll, I'll put it up. I'd encourage you to go check out if you can uh, avnir.com slash products, avnir.com slash products. Uh, we've been thinking about this for a couple of years uh, in that the methodology that I teach and I've taught in this relationship economics book um, regrettably, it's amazing how stupid I was two weeks ago. It's all paper-based, right? So there's all kinds of processes and insights and actionable things in here that that have been invaluable for years. And and so I, I've captured them all on paper. Uh, you know, I talked to Jen, you know, six months, nine months ago. I said, what if we build a generative AI platform to proactively manage individual? and individuals' relationships. And I would submit to you that relationships are not between logos or buildings. They're always between individuals. So if we help an individual can proactively, intently, strategically manage their business relationships, could that be an asset? Could that amplify their superpowers? And could that also be an asset to their respective organizations? And increasingly, you know, we all have, many of us have, most of us have a, a side hustle or other things we like doing. We, we run a small motorcycle club or, or you know, we've got a, a now a publishing arm. So each of these will allow you to create distinct relationship buckets. My next door neighbors have nothing to do with what I do for a living, but I want to keep up with them. So where are you keeping track of all this information uh, and proactively, again, nurturing those relationships? That's what we've built in the relationship bank, uh, at our first product, uh, good chance, uh, I'm, I'm under NDA showing it to some early, uh, power users and design partners now, and you can learn more about that on our website. We'll have an MVP out and hopefully Q1, maybe early Q2 next year. And that's a chance for people. I'm asking people to, you know, break it and come and complain about it. And I said earlier, CRM has forgotten the R we are going to double down on the R. Because in the age of AI and age of automation, soon you're going to have AI talking to AI. So then what's the role of the relationships? And how can relationships amplify the, the, the inhuman connection that I don't believe some of these technologies can do? So that's a glimpse into it. The details, we're still in stealth mode, but we're doing some really cool things. I think you're going to be really intrigued by the environment when you see it. Uh, but learn more and, and sign up for the Avenir newsletter or sign up as a power user and you'll get uh, you'll get a lot more insights early and often. We'll also in our community, we'll have a power users and design partners group in our forum where those folks are going to get uh, access to it early as well. Yes, it's been an exciting project and it's and it's far from being done, but it's it's been a fun exploration of relationships and also just what technology can do to enhance those. So as being a student of business relationships for the past 20 years or so um, and being transparent for our audience, because being the example and showing the example uh, that we're not all perfect is something that I think everybody can uh, identify with. So can you share with our audience some of the things that you did exceptionally well this past year? And in what ways do you think that you may have come up short? Oh boy. Here, here comes the spotlight. By the way, I want to, I want to thank Joanne. Uh, she's been a, a, a great friend and a big supporter of my work. Joanne, thank you. Ho hopefully the 10 tips are useful. Uh, big takeaways. Yeah. I think her, I'm going back now. Big takeaways. Five. What was like, what was, I love it when people quote me. Back. <laughs> Review key relationships, health, value, depth, and relevance, underperformers and overperformers. And number six. Five. And six was uh, setting new goals. Love it. Love it. So Joanne, thank you for being here. Thanks for uh, your continued advocacy of the relationship economics book. For those of you who have not picked up a copy, it makes a fantastic stocking stuffer. You'd have to stretch the stock, but it will fit. It will fit. I promise it will fit. Uh, no, Joanne, thank you for that. Uh, and then this is a personal one. So uh, Mojde is my cousin. 
one of my cousins back in Iran, and she's she's watching this from Iran. So very cool. Mojdejan, so glad you're here. Thanks for joining. Um, so in terms of what I did this year, I'm I'm proud of, I'm most proud of our relationship economic summit. Jen, you were there. I love that event. I love getting uh some brilliant, and, and I gotta tell you, I feel incredibly blessed to work with some really brilliant executives and in a very broad spectrum of companies and to bring them together. And, and they're kind about, you know, how we put on this event and we share so much. And I learned as much from them, as much from their conversations and their interactions. And so I, I love that event. So for our audience, Relationship Economic Summit, it's in October. It's an annual event. If you can join us for the next up program, the early part of that week, you'll you'll experience some of that camaraderie, some of that uh, great group of folks that show up. So I'm most proud of the relationships we doubled down this year to really grow and nurture. In terms of, of where I came up short, full disclosure, I'm still old school. So I still use, uh, you know, uh, these are for, for the younger audience. These things, these antiquated things are called business cards. And, and some of us old schoolers have them and use them and we go to events and we get them. And my my biggest uh, uh, letdown of my own relationship development is I, I met some really cool people at these things and I've got their business cards on my desk. And at some point they start like yelling at you, like follow up, follow up. You met me. We had a great conversation. Send them a note, send them an email, send them a LinkedIn connection, something and I just, I need to get better at that follow-up. I think, again, we all have good intentions. It just, we we get pulled, you know, in a lot of different directions. And I don't have a, a, a really good process yet to connect and add value to net new folks I meet. And we're getting better at that with your help. We're putting some automation in. How about you? Anything anything you did this this year that that you're excited about relationally and, and one area you could you could get better at? Uh, excited about. I think some of our projects, so some of the client projects were exciting and they were successful, but also internally, I think the reset that we've done with our business from a database perspective, from simplifying and focusing our tech stack, but then also leveraging and building this generative AI has been uh, really exciting and interesting because we are getting to leverage some of those new cutting edge technologies. And so working with uh, name value pairs and creating databases and running uh, realistic large language models on top of it, like all of those sort of projects are exciting to me because I love solving uh, what are perceived as unsolvable problems. And so that's something that I love doing. Uh, where did I come up short? My time management, if we're perfectly honest, uh, years ago, I, when I was working with uh, a previous company, I was individually supporting about 150 people. And the only way that I was able to manage and support that many people by myself and as well as technology tools uh, was through time blocking and really being almost militant with my schedule. And so this year I let a lot of that go and it, I was not as intentional as I should have been with my time management. And so, uh, going into 24, we are leveraging time blocking as an organization and, uh, coming up with a way to be more intentional with what we're doing and how we're spending our days. Uh, and so we're, we're creating our own internal systems that we're both committed to leveraging. So uh, where I came up short, we already have a plan to help it going into 24, but yeah, time management for sure was uh, where I was lacking. So uh, we hope this session on uh, year end business relationship house cleaning has been of interest and value. I'm going to close us with a handful of questions we asked in describing this session, 2023 is ending in a few weeks. Name the best person you met this year. Uh, which ones were really strategic in your personal and professional growth? Which ones contributed to your success? Which relationships didn't turn out quite as impactful as you had hoped? Uh, which relationships did you neglect? Which relationships should you deprioritize so you can prioritize others. These are just some of the questions we hope you'll ask of yourself. This is a time for reflection and really personal introspection on 
from my relationships? What went well? What do I need to work on? How do I elevate? How do I improve? How do I enhance? How do I amplify the impact that created my relationships? So on behalf of Jen Cords, I'm David Knorr. Thanks for joining us. Hope you'll come back next week. We're going to do the same thing. Jen's going to be in the hot seat. And we're going to do the same thing on your digital footprint, on your tech stack, on kind of how uh, you you're, you run your technology. We're all in the technology business now. So same time, Tuesdays at noon Eastern, live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Hope you'll join us and we'll see you then. Thanks, everybody. Make it a great week. All the best. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Intelligent Growth Podcast. Over the years, Jen and Noor have had the privilege of advising senior leaders and their teams on their go-to market strategies, creating world-class processes and capabilities, and integrating complex tech stacks. Now, it's their passion to share marketing, sales, and customer success insights and strategies that will help you transform your go-to market success. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For more, visit the website at avnir.com. See you next time on the Intelligent Growth Podcast.